Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast features edited highlights from our hybrid Zoom service which was held on Sunday, June 27th, 2021. To find out how to join us online or in person, and for more general information, please go to stjamesleith.org.uk. Morning, everybody. Um, can you give me a wave if you can hear me, please? That looks good. Thank you. Well, as I said, good morning. It's lovely to see everybody here uh, and uh, on Zoom and on in, in the congregation in church too. Wherever you're joining us from, welcome. Whether you're happy or sad, anxious or carefree, feeling well or not so great fearful or ready to take on the world, you are welcome here. Today's theme is trust. We trust that God will speak to you through our service this morning. After a few moments of silence to prepare yourself to worship God, we will light our candles to unite us in the light of Christ. Friend and stranger, Welcome in the name of Jesus. We gather together, together, putting our trust in the grace and mercy of God. Amen. Eternal God, maker of the skies above, lowly Christ, lover of the earth and its people, unfettered spirit, giver of gracious gifts, you are present among us. O hidden mystery, sun behind all suns, soul within all souls, in all we touch, in all we meet, you are present among us. As bearers of your image, we come to be reshaped, dependent on your mercy. We ask to be made new. So we've got a real classic chorus for you today. We've not had one of those for a while. Um, this is always marked as a, as a children's chorus, but I really don't see why it should be just restricted to that because it's just a simple statement of gratitude and praise. And we thought on this first Sunday of the summer holidays, it would be good to start off in this mode. And if you happen not to have heard it, then you will know it pretty quickly by the time we've sung it through a couple of times. Thank you, Lord, for this fine day.
Almighty God, you have taught us through your Son that your love fulfills the law. May we love you with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. And may we love our neighbor as ourselves. Amen. Amen. Gloria, 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 glory be to God on high. Gloria, 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 glory be to God on high. And on earth peace to the people in whom God is well pleased. And on earth peace to the people in whom God is well pleased. Gloria, Gloria, Gloria. Glory be to God on high. Gloria, Gloria, Gloria. Glory be to God on high. And on earth peace to the people in whom God is well pleased. And on earth peace to the people in whom God is well pleased. So we continue on into our psalm. And we've got a, a musical setting, which is semi-improvised this morning for Psalm 30. So we've got various things for various people to do and to join in on. For those of us in the church hall who are present but not fully able to join in singing, we've just got a little spoken statement for you, which is just to say, give thanks. Let's try that together. Give thanks. So we'll do that a few times at the start and um, a few times at the end as well. There's a little sung refrain um, which you'll hear and if you're at home and you want to join in singing then please do that'll come at the start and in the middle and then the rest of the time we're going to try and um, give some expression to the words by playing and singing them from here in the band so um, you'll hear the little refrain first of all we'll just get our our musical accompaniment going one two
it's truly amazing seeing um, faces of people that I've only ever seen on a little screen before. Really, is quite something. It's sort of far out, isn't it? Um, this morning's gospel reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter five, beginning at verse twenty-one. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She'd heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, for she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? The disciples said to him, uh, You see this crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling. She fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion of people weeping and wailing loudly. When he'd entered, he said to them, why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all aside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Heavenly Father, we pray that this morning you would help each one of us hear your voice speaking to us each individually, that you would touch our hearts today and that we might, each one of us, draw closer to you. Amen. <laughs> So this account in Mark is one of the most powerful and evocative stories that we have in the Gospels. There are so many unexpected details that make us certain that it is an eyewitness account. And of course, it's especially riveting because it doesn't take much to imagine ourselves there in the crowd watching and marveling at what is going on. It gives such a clear picture of just how radical Jesus was, a rebel who took no notice of the rules, 
someone who turned society upside down, someone who was deeply compassionate, but refused to be constrained by convention. So we have, as we've just heard from Richard reading the story, two interwoven stories about two people, a man and a woman from opposite ends of the social spectrum. So you have a man who is a ruler in a local synagogue, presumably therefore a strict observer of the laws and customs, and a woman who because of the law hasn't been touched by anyone for 12 years. Someone who is ostracized, told she is unclean. I can hear the tone of disgust in people's voices when they speak about her. A woman menstruating is bad enough, but to have a constant flow of bodily fluid, this woman should go back to her hovel in the hills where she belongs, where she won't contaminate the rest of us. And yet, both this man and this woman, the president of a synagogue and an unclean woman, both of them were pre prepared to trust Jesus. I suppose you could argue that they were desperate and were ready to trust anyone. But Jairus doesn't just take Jesus aside and whisper in his ear that his daughter needs help. He throws himself down at his feet. And you can imagine, can't you, the sniggers in the crowd. This synagogue ruler, who says or thinks he's so much holier than the rest of us, on his knees in the dust at the feet of this preacher, who is probably at this very moment ritually unclean because he breaks religious law to help people. Can you believe it? He's just come from Gentile territory and he's been dealing with demons and pigs. Ugh. No wonder the crowd presses in. And then on the way, a distraction. Extraordinary that Jesus should make Jairus wait while he turns to find out who has touched him. In 1991, I went to an international dance, Christian dance conference in Jerusalem. And for the final three days of our time there, a visit had been arranged to a, a, a kibbutz on the shores of the Galilee. We traveled around the area, visiting different places with a tour guide who was Jewish and a Christian. He told us how often we, as Gentile Christians, miss the true significance of a narrative in the Gospels because we don't know enough about the Jewish traditions, laws and customs. And he spent a long time talking about this wonderful story in Mark. He told us that from the Jewish point of view, there is only one explanation to the question of why it was Jesus knew immediately that someone had touched his cloak. He said that the word that is typically translated in our in our English translations as cloak or garments actually refers to the cord that Jewish men wore around their waists that traditionally was only allowed to be touched by family members. So Jesus felt someone take the knot at the end of his belt and he knew immediately that the person who had come up behind him wanted more than just healing. She wanted to belong, to be part of his family. The woman who nobody had touched for 12 years wanted to be touched and loved and accepted as a family member. She trusted Jesus so much 
that she was willing to presume that he would never see her as unclean. Different translations give us different interpretations of what she's thinking when she reaches out to Jesus. Today, we read in our translation that she wants to be made well. But in fact, the original word implies that she wanted much, much more, because the word refers to wholeness, body, mind, and spirit. To be saved from her life of being ostracized, to be saved from loneliness. She wants to be loved and to love. And afterwards, of course, she has her doubts. What if she made a mistake? What if he's angry with her? She knows the rules, doesn't she? What did she think she was doing? But then Jesus turns and he calls her daughter. And the words he uses and the way he speaks to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering, means so much. He doesn't say, I have healed you. He says, your faith has healed you. And I can imagine her saying to herself, what did he say? Me, the lowest of the low, an unclean woman, little old me, he said it was my faith that's healed me. And then it seems that stopping to help this woman has had disastrous consequences because word comes that Jairus's daughter is dead. Jesus reassures Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. And when they get to the house, already the mourners are gathered. Although, of course, their wailing turns to laughter when Jesus suggests the child is only asleep. So Jesus takes three disciples and her parents, goes in to see the child, takes her by the hand and raises her from the dead. I wonder whether he takes in the disciples as witnesses it's easy to understand why he tells them and her parents not to spread the word about what he's just done, because contact with a dead body is one of the chief sources of impurity in Jewish law. Touching a dead person makes a Jew ritually unclean. Jesus already has a reputation as a breaker of the law, so there's no point in making it worse. So the message to me in this story but in the end, the only certainty for any of us is to put our trust in Jesus. Whether you're a high-ranking official or the lowest of the low, a leader in the church or living on the edge of society because nobody wants you, in the end, the only place to go is to Jesus. And just as with Jairus and this woman, it's only when we're completely desperate at the end of our tether that we recognize the futility and hollow nature of man-made institutions. And then we turn to the only being who is beyond all of that. Jairus was the synagogue ruler or president as Tom Wright calls him. He must have thought over the years that he was ticking all the boxes in terms of his faith. He will have followed the laws, practiced the practices, recited the right words. So what made him abandon all of that and, and turn to an itinerant preacher who was breaking the law and didn't fit in at all? And the woman 
she had spent all she had trying to find healing. And it seemed that all that happened was that she suffered even more. What made her push through the crowd, worried sick that someone would recognize her? What made her grab the belt tied round the preacher's waist? What made her trust this man after all she had been through? To be really honest, I'm not actually completely sure what it is that happens when we take a leap of faith and trust Jesus, except that it is often when we're at the end of everything. When you and I have tried everything else, when we're disillusioned with formal religion and institutions and organizations. Jesus doesn't care about rules and formal rituals. He cares about you. Even if you are so unsure of him, but you just come up behind him and reach out and touch his clothes. Even if the rest of the world says you're a mess, an outcast, unable to get your life together, he will turn round with love in his eyes and offer a helping hand and lift you up. He will put you back together again, body, mind and spirit. And he will offer you a peace that passes all understanding. And even if you come to him, who seems on the outside to have everything sewn up, a big man or a woman in your community, the person everyone looks up to, Jesus will never turn you away, is always ready to help you in any situation. And even when everything seems hopeless, he is always ready to reach out and touch the mess. However much the law says he must stay away, and however desperate everything seems to be. Whatever you are experiencing just now, whatever life seems to have thrown at you, and especially, I think, at the moment, there seems to be so much disillusion, so much to disillusion all of us. Remember that Jesus is outside all of that. He lived and worked outside the box when he was on this earth, and he's still outside the box today. Don't look for him in the box. Look for him in unexpected places, healing and caring and saving. Trust in Jesus. He will never fail you. Amen. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus, to reach out and touch him and say that we love him. Open our ears, Lord, and help us to listen. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. When I say, open our eyes, Lord, would you respond? We want to see Jesus. Open our eyes, Lord. This morning we want to pray for Jesus' healing touch in the world.
in our lives. We want to trust that Jesus' touch is going to be beneficial. That we will be rescued, healed and saved. So we pray for the world for healing in difficult situations internationally, at national level, locally. We pray for integrity in political leaders that they may be touched and in the media as they report to us what the political leaders are saying. And as we think of our world, let's pray for Jesus' healing touch in environmental matters, for healing of all that damage that we have created in the world. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. We pray for all those who are suffering at the moment, particularly as a result of the pandemic, those who have been bereaved. We pray particularly for the medical personnel and the paramedics and these people who have created these vaccines. Thank you, Lord, for that wonderful gift in such a short time. We pray for those who are isolated in, in care homes and in sheltered housing and pray that Jesus will touch them. For those who haven't been able to hold funerals or have had to put off their weddings, give them your healing touch, Jesus. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see you. We pray for the church. For healing there. Thank you that in some ways, although the pandemic has made church life so difficult in the last year or so, it's given us new opportunities. Thank you for the technology and Zoom, and for those who organize it. And as we think of the church locally, we thank you for Fiona and Ian. Pray for them this week as they make their final move here from Sheffield. We thank you, Lord, for all the lay involvement in this church. For the music group, for the work with the young people, touch each of those areas of this church's life, Lord. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. And let's pray for ourselves and our role in all this as we reach out to touch those around us, not necessarily physically, but maybe something that we say, or even a smile. 
We pray for healing in our homes, our families, our workplaces, wherever we go. However unlikely, perhaps God's asking us to go into taboo places and reach out and touch. Help us to believe, trust, and have faith. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. We want to reach out and touch him and say that we love him. Amen. Be still and know that I Houses, the blessing, the blessing, blessing of God, and going, the peace, the of, peace God, of God in our life and believing, the, the love, the love, of, love God, of God, and a new beginning. The arms of God, God welcome us God and bring us home. Amen. And that leads us into our final song. Again, if, if, I think humming is fine because you're producing very little air, so if that's a way to get involved. And those of you at home can sing away. And we're going to finish with um, Mungu Nimwema, Know That God Is Good. I've just forgotten my key now. <laughs> so singing first, and then we'll get our instruments in. Um, maybe we could stand. So, I mean, even if you're vocally doing a bit less, it just helps us all feel like we're in on the action. Mm.